Romans chapter 4. Let's begin with verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Are there any blessed people in the house today? Verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? Now, this is biblical language differentiating Old Covenant people from New Covenant people, Jews from Gentiles. Does this blessedness come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? upon everyone. For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for his righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. The book of Genesis has a story of a man named Abraham who found grace in God's eyes. He obeyed the call of God, and he had a relationship with God. And because he believed in God, God declared him to be righteous. And then as a sign of this relationship he had with God, God led him to institute the rite of circumcision. And this was a sign that you had a covenant with God in the Old Testament. In our day and time, the sign is water baptism. We don't want to baptize any unbelievers. But when a person has believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are made righteous through what he did for us, his death, burial, and resurrection. And because we've been made righteous, not so that we can be made righteous, but because we've been made righteous, we encourage believers and everyone that is a believer that I know of always wants to be water baptized. And so Abraham was righteous before God led him to institute circumcision. You see that? Verse 16, therefore, it is this righteousness that we have, this right standing with God, Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, that is, all of Abraham's children, those who are natural children, those who are spiritual, not only to those who are of the law, that is, the Old Testament, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is a father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So Abraham believed in God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do exist. That's our God. Verse 18, who, now this who refers to Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham was made righteous, not just because he was an old man believing he was going to have a child, but because he believed in the miraculous birth of his son. And when God led him later, after giving him that son, to offer that son up as a sacrifice, the Bible says to Abraham his son was as good as dead. So he had faith in the death of his son. He counted it done. It's the only way he could do it. But he also believed, according to the Bible, in the resurrection of his son, that God was able to also offer him up. But he also believed that God was able to offer a substitute in place of his son. This is a picture of the gospel right out of the book of Genesis. We believe in the miraculous birth of Abraham's seed through his mama, Jesus, and the miraculous birth of God's son. We believe in the offering of God's son, the death of God's son, the resurrection from the dead of God's son, and the fact God's son was our substitute. It's interesting, on that mountain where Abraham offered his son, he saw a ram in a thicket. And it's believed by some theologians that thicket is a very bush that's used to crown Jesus with on the cross. He's the ram, the lamb of God, with a crown of thorns on his head to offer the sins of the world himself. From that place where this promise was given and Abraham's son was substituted for by this Ram, God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means the God who sees. You know, I love that song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace. Because he sees, he provides. All right? He's going to provide your need because he sees your need. If you don't see a need, you're not going to meet the need, right? So God sees where you are, so he's going to provide. So I don't want to discount the song. The point is, He's the God who sees. And it says there in Genesis, in this mountain, his provision shall be seen. From that place, the Temple Mount, which was built later, the Dome of the Rock in Israel is right where it is today in Jerusalem. You can see on a clear day Mount Calvary, the other hill where God offered his son on the cross. His faith had everything to do with what was going to be done And our faith has everything to do with what has been done to make us righteous before God, to give us right standing with Him. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would make your word come alive to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject of hope. We say the word hope. The world needs 
a lot of hope. This week's issue of Newsweek has an article in it on the epidemic of suicide in Europe. Because people's hopes have been in the economy, their hopes are being destroyed. And when you lose hope, the will to live is soon to follow. In Italy, there's a phenomenon that they're calling white widows. of Young women, middle-aged women who are made widows way before their time by men just ending it all because they can't take the pressure of the economy. People are checking out. They're taking the exit ramp, as it were, out of life. Greece used to have the lowest suicide rate in all the world. And because men in their 50s who've retired have had their pensions cut in half, they're taking the exit ramp out of here, losing all hope. Because their hope isn't based in the gospel. Their hope isn't based in the one who's made us righteous. Their hope isn't based on the one who sees our need to the point that they can trust. Lithuania has the highest suicide rate in all of Europe. It's increased to the point that 30 people a week are in it at all. In our own military, from 2001 to 2009, the suicide rate increased 150%. I don't know what it is now. The world needs some hope. Can we say that? When we say the world needs some hope, how to keep your hopes up. Romans 4.18, right out of our text today, said that Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope, believed. What a strange teaching. What a strange statement. The preceding verse says that God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And then the following verse says that Abraham, contrary to hope, had hope. Some modern translations help bring it to light a little more. The King James says, against hope he believed in hope. The modern King James says, beyond hope he believed on hope. The basic Bible says, who without reason for hope, in faith, went on hoping. The contemporary English version said that Abraham, when it all seemed hopeless, he still had faith in God. The complete Jewish Bible says, when he was past hope, yet in hope he trusted. God's Word translation said, when there was nothing left to hope for, Abraham still hoped. And the New Living Translation, when there was no reason for hope, he kept hoping. The Weymouth New Testament says, when under utterly hopeless circumstances, he hopefully Believed. The word hope means a confident desire. It's a trust. It's a verb and a noun. To hope is to do something. To have hope is to have something. It means to expect. It's a source for success. If you have hope, you can succeed sooner or later. You have no hope. Faith and hope go together. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Faith and hope go together. Faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. Television preacher said that hope is the blueprint for faith. Today we're going to talk on how to keep your hopes up. Can we read that together? Some may say, don't get your hopes up. 
You know, you don't want to be disappointed. But the fact is, we have to have hope to survive. Especially in our day and time. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the freedest frame that wholly lean on Jesus' name. My hope is not in the economy. It's not in Generations Church. It's not in the White House. And it's not in Austin. It's not at the courthouse. Our hope is in Jesus. Amen. We've got to keep it up. got to keep on hoping. Number one, how to keep our hopes up. Number one, hold on to God's promise. Say, hold on. The verse we read says, Contrary to hope, in hope believe, so that He became the Father of many nations, according to what was written, so shall your descendants be. What does that mean? Let, let's see. Uh, the Message Bible says, When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw, he couldn't do, but on one God he said he would do. Going back, the cross-references back to Genesis 15 where God made the promise. He brought him outside and said, God speaking to Abraham, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So he had that promise. Look at the sky. Count the stars. That's how your descendants are going to be. So having that promise, he held on to that promise, and that enabled him to keep his hope up. So tell your neighbor, hold on to God's promise. Number two, be honest when trusting God is hard. Don't fake it till you make it. Faith it till you make it. But faith isn't something that can be faked for long. If it's real, it's based on something that God has said to you. A promise He's made to you personally. We are free to be human. We are free to have all honesty. To have total transparency with where we're at. I'm not feeling good today. Don't play this game. I don't have a cold No, I don't have a cold. (laughs) Snorting and sneezing around, believing by faith and spreading germs everywhere. If you got a cold, you got a cold. You have the freedom in the Christian life to be honest, right? The word confess means to agree with that which is true. So agree with where you're at and run to God and get some help. Be honest when trusting God is hard. Here's the context for that promise that Abraham had. Remember, look to the sky. Count the stars. What's the context to that promise? Abraham being honest. Chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. And Abram's like, Right. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? See, I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Because he was like his lead servant and 
he would be the inheritor of all his stuff because he had no natural children. What's this promise about having kids? God had told him earlier about it. Then Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. You know, I was expecting a child by this time. He's being honest with God. Oh, how dare he walk in such unbelief. No, come on. You can get real with God. Get real with God. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one will come for your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look, count the stars. If you're not able to count them, so shall your seed be. And he believed God and accounted to him for righteousness. So you see that? He held on to God's promise, but how did he get that promise? He got that promise by being honest. If we're just faking it till we make it, we're not going to make it. But when we're honest, we're open to hearing from God. Who knows it's true? He does not turn a deaf ear to the heartfelt cry of his children. If you're weak, run to him and admit it. Number three, run to God when your hope is weak. And be honest. And when he gives you a promise, hold on to him. Run to God when your hope is weak. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Can we say the word boldly? Boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you're angry with God, admit it. Come boldly to Him. Don't curse Him, but come boldly to Him and let Him have it. God, where are you? Because we're called to be people of faith, He reveals Himself to us. Most of our how, why, when, where, and what questions are answered as though we were asking who questions. So true. In my experience anyway, anytime I've come to Him, what, why, where, when, how, He responds with a revelation of who He is. I am. I am. How are we going to do this? I am. Where are we going to do this? I am. When are we going to do this? I am. How are we going to do this? I am. When you have an I am down in your heart, you can stand in faith come hell or high water and be strong and not be faking it till you make it. Jesus himself was this way. In Luke 22, I want to get the exact note here. He is praying to Gethsemane, sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. Verse 40, he told his disciples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Verse 41 of Luke 22, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, about as far as you can throw a rock. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. That's being really honest. That's the one who died for our sins. Apparently, wasn't really happy about doing it. Well, that doesn't blow your ego, but you and I apparently aren't so wonderful. God is wonderful. Father, if it is your will, let take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And God met him. Understand, he is God, but yet he's man. He's the son of God. 
sent an angel to minister to him. Verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. What is that? God always meets us at the point of our need and strengthens us. Well, we've got to come to him and ask for help. Be really honest with where we're at. He wants us to come to him and be honest, not covered up with religion. See, if he blesses us with all our religiosity, then he's confirming error. And he can't have anything to do with anything that's not pure and not right. But come to him in the purity of your heart. God, I've had it. This is where I'm at. And he will strengthen you. And Hebrews 12 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus, I believe, went through the crucifixion with hope. For the joy that was set before him, that's you and I, He endured the crap. Hope propelled him. An angel strengthened him. Was it just an infusion of strength? Was it a a word that he was reminded of? I don't know. But he was in intense pressure, being in agony. He prayed more earnestly. Verse 44, his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. It was in agony. Had to do something tough. Father gave him what he needed to go through it. Job 19, to me, is such an anthem. Songs have been written based out of Job 19. Job is being brutally honest with where he's at. Verse 14, he says, I cry out concerning wrong and I'm not heard. He's being honest. God, I I feel like you're not hearing my prayers. My relatives have failed. My close friends have forgotten me. Those who dwell in my house and my maidservants count me as a stranger. I'm an alien in their sight. But keep in mind, he's lost everything. So people don't know what to do to comfort him. And his brilliant friends come by and condemn him. He obviously did something wrong. I call my servant and he gives me no answer. I beg him with my mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. And I am repulsive to the children of my own body. Even young children despise me. His body's covered with boils. He's not smelling real good. Probably hurts to bathe. I arise and they speak against me. All my close friends abhor me, and those whom I love have turned against me. My bone clings to my skin and to my flesh, and I have escaped by the skin of my teeth. Just surviving. Blaming God for everything and taking the blame upon himself. Yeah, I've sinned. I've done wrong. Meanwhile, the book of Job opened with, there was nothing wrong with this guy. And all hell broke loose in his life. And at that point of honesty, suddenly, revelation came. Verse 23. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. That they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and led forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and He shall stand at last on the earth. And after my flesh is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me. I think the yearning heart is an expression of hope. He got his hope restored in the midst of his trial, in the midst of singing his blues. So many of the Psalms are like this. Why do the wicked prosper? Why does this go? You stay with the psalm, and by the end of the psalm, suddenly a revelation comes. 
Then I went into the sanctuary. And remember, I have eternal life and the wicked don't. Revelation comes to encourage you. What are you wrestling with today? What hopelessness has come against you? Man, it's something big. It needs to be redeemed, and I don't know how. Well, the good news for you today is I don't know how either. But I know your Redeemer lives. Amen. I don't know how my healing is going to come. I'm sick. I'm not well. I don't know how it's going to come. I've gotten every prayer line, chased all the faith healers in the country. How is my recovery going to come? I don't know how your healing is going to come, but I know your healer lives. Your provider lives. Your Savior lives. He lives, He lives, He lives. That gives me hope. The story is not over. You're still here. And God is still God. If you look back at the history of your life, there was other times when you didn't know how you were going to make it and somehow you came through it. You're going to come through this too. This mess will become a message. This test will become a testimony. Amen? This glory will become glory. Number four, this is so important to keep your hopes up. It's so important to give hope to those who may be hopeless. Preaching sermons like this are the funnest to preach. Because when you encourage others, guess what happens? You get encouraged. Proverbs 11.25, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Give someone some hope, and you're going to get some. It's true. It's true. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men heap to your bosom. That applies to more than giving material things. That implies to ministering life. Get back. Get what you need. First Peter 3, 5 says, Always be ready to give an answer when someone asks you about your hope. Now, the context of that verse is being ready to give an answer to people that are questioning our faith. Maybe they're an atheist. We must be ready to give them an answer for the hope that is in us. To me, this applies not just to apologetics, but this applies to this sermon. Because Christianity really is the only religion that has eternal hope. Our God is the God of hope. Our hope is the hope of salvation, the hope of glory, eternal hope. Faith, hope, and love, these three abide forever, and the greatest of these is love. So always be ready. Give a reason for the hope that you have. A wrap-up for Hope's Up. On vacation, Yvette and I spent a few hours encouraging someone in the area of hope. On the way home, I asked her to drive because these words are just going over and over. The scope of hope is all-encompassing for those desiring to live in the realm of of possibilities. The rope of hope is all important for those climbing from pits of despair. The slope of hope is not too steep for those moving forward in the faith God gives. The hope of hope does not disappoint because the Lord pours out His love on those 
who receive His Spirit. When we know that He loves us, man, can't help but hope. Do more than cope and tell discouragement nope by washing off that devil dope with the soap of inspiration that only comes from God. Romans 15:13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Paul's prayer. Let's make this our prayer. Father, may the God of hope, may you, the God of hope, fill us with all joy and peace in believing that we may abound in hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. May we no longer grope for substitutes for hope. Amen? Sorry, I can't help it. How to keep your hopes up. Hold on to God's promise. Be honest when trusting God is hard. Run to God when your hope is weak and give hope to those who may be hopeless. This summer, our church is getting outside the walls. A couple of weeks ago, a team went to bring hope to the Lakota Sioux people in South Dakota. Matt and Amy Gordon, and a total of, I think, 13 people went to do some repairs on a Baptist church in the heart of that community in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. Home repairs in some Native Americans' homes. Playground construction. Ministered in church services. And uh, encouraged a missionary that has had some unbelievable circumstances. Personally, in ministry, he needed an infusion of hope. And I I believe they left things better than the way they found them. Isn't that exciting to be part of something like that?
If you were part of that trip to Pine Ridge, could you just stand? Give them another ovation. Amen. It's 13 people. I believe there will be opportunities to go back, so stay tuned. Good. Thank you so much. I'm calling 2012 the Summer of Hope just because I wanted to. The Christian life is to come off the broad way that leads to destruction and come on that straight and narrow way. Now, the Lord's way is straight and it's narrow, but sometimes it feels like it's this, doesn't it? That's where hope and faith and love compel us to move on. So I've got four assignments for you. Number one, participate in a hope-building project either by giving, sharing, or whatever. We've got several going on here. We just had the video report of the Lakota Sioux trip on Thursday. We've got some people going to Honduras to bring hope to orphans and, and orphanage workers and missionaries to do some construction and stuff like that. If you'd like to give towards that, it would help do things like build fencing, build a house, repair a roof, build a toilet, a latrine. Who knows that's important? Build a kitchen, secure fence, plant shrubs, build a barn, make a basketball court bigger, build a driveway, build a swimming pool. It all depends on how much finances the team has. There's more people than just our church that are part of this. And so I've got a list of things here. If you'd like to give towards that, be sure and... Support it in some way. You can give even before you leave here. Our tithe and offering boxes are back at the wall. Just earmark it or write on the check or the envelope, Honduras Mission, and it will help meet the goal. Participate in the whole building project. Our praise team, wonderful. Weren't we blessed today by ten ten people leading us praise and worship? Thank you. The three of them were from out of town, but still seven people were from here. It's great. Well, we got 15 people in Kentucky bringing hope. So that's exciting. We'll tell you more about that in the future. Help someone needing encouragement. You know someone that needs encouragement? Go find them. Do not avoid those needing encouragement. 
Many times we avoid people needing encouragement because, not because we don't care about them, but because we feel hopeless and depressed when we think of them. And so we run because we feel ill-equipped. The point is, they just need someone to know they care. And just, you know, don't go to them with a bumper sticker thing, but what is it in your life that encourages you? What is it about your story? After you've heard their story, share part of your story that will bring encouragement. And do what you can to encourage someone else, and you'll be encouraged yourself. And pursue encouragement when you need it. We're going to end the service with a time to receive ministry. And if you need some hope, some fresh hope, if your hope needs to be renewed, come forward and we would love to pray with you. We also have tomorrow a crew, three van loads of folks going to youth camp in Alvin, Texas. And it's my prayer that they go and give hope to somebody but also those in that group that need hope. Some of these kids are struggling with some tough circumstances. That their hope is restored to a point that it's unshakable hope. I'd like to have a ministry team to come forward and people that need prayer to come forward with them and receive prayer, especially in the area of hope. Also, I'd like for the youth group as a whole, those that are going to camp and those that are staying home to come forward, and for those in the body that won't be up here in the ministry team, Come forward and just love on them and minister to them. Pray for their safety and pray for divine appointments. Just pray up a storm for them. But I'd also like for those in this room that are going to Honduras to also come forward and pray together and receive prayer as well. Lord, we pray for your blessing upon your people. Lord, may we be people of unshakable hope. Voices for the eternal hope that you have to give the world. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would use this part of the service more than any other to infuse people with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you'd like to receive prayer, we're here in the middle here to pray with you. If you'd like to pray with someone going to Honduras, come up and begin to pray for this group. If you'd like to pray for you, come up and pray with them. Strong May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may hope flow through your life like a mighty river. Amen.